Everything about my writing career had been against the odds. Movie extra, cartoonist, uh, toilet scrubber, <laughs> donut cook. Yeah, I'm a professor now. It's pretty cushy, you know. It's a nice job. I was born in Tijuana. Uh, my father was Mexican. My mother was American. And um, they had met in San Francisco. And uh, he romanced her, you know, and swept her off her feet. She was from New York. And I think she believed she was going to go to a beautiful hacienda in Mexico, you know? But she ended up on a dirt street in Tijuana. Um, my parents would go to the United States every day to work. And so I didn't really see them very much. I spent my days with my grandmother, aunts, cousins. So I learned Spanish before I learned English, so Spanish was my first language. We had a, a, an outbreak of tuberculosis, and people were dying all around us, and, and I got it. I was quite ill. I was, I think I was probably gonna die. I was about four, four and a half, and that's why we came to San Diego, because they were trying to save me. And uh, so we settled in, a, in, a, in another barrio in Southeast San Diego. Our barrio was very uh, explosive, a lot of racial violence. I, you know, it was, it was at the turn of the civil rights era. I was, you know, English was my second language. I spoke like this, man. I spoke Chicano. I was, you know, talking Tijuana. So here I was looking like an Irish white boy, talking like Tijuana, and you know, everywhere I went, I was in trouble. At the end of fourth grade, uh, we, we left the sort of border-oriented part of town and moved up north to a, a little white working-class suburb. So we left my dad's world and went to my mom's world in a lot of ways. And um, I, I went to high school and college. I was the first family member to go to college. You know, went through my life thinking Tijuana was cool. And then I moved away from the Mexicans and found out that all the white kids around me thought Tijuana was filthy. Mexicans were dirty. My family was dirty. Spanish was stupid. I was shocked. I, what? What happened? Are you kidding? Do not ever tell people you had tuberculosis because it's shameful and dirty. Do not ever tell people that we were poor because it's shameful. And never tell anybody you were from Tijuana. Lie, because Tijuana, everybody was ashamed of it. And, you know, you grow up with these rules and then you realize that those are the strength later. Those things that caused embarrassment or shame. And I think part of my job, uh, spiritually anyway, aside from our writing career, is to go and talk to lots of people who are carrying a lot of those shames. My dad, he was, he was actually killed at the hands of Mexican police when I was a uh, senior in college. And um, I, I was having a really hard time dealing with that. I started doing relief work in Tijuana with a missionary group, feeding the poor at the Tijuana garbage dump. And I spent years doing it. And that is, oddly enough, partially what led to my going to Harvard, also totally against the odds. And uh, the first book I wrote was called Across the Wire. I don't know if they, Across the Wire. Um, I wrote about that experience and 
It was rejected by every publisher in the country for 10 years. And I remember one of the editors in New York told me, nobody cares about starving Mexicans. I'll never forget it. And that seemed like a real curse at the time, but that became the ultimate blessing because that gave me my agenda. Nobody cares about starving Mexicans. I'll make you care. Urrea's number one writing rule is wear the bastards down. being a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. Luis has received a Lannan Literary Award, a Christopher Award, an American Book Award, and a Western League. We've been hoping to host Luis Alberto Reyes since the day we opened, probably. We made uh, pitches for every uh, publication of every book. Uh, we read his book in our in-store book club. We wrote blogs about it. Um, just whatever we could do to show that we're really enthusiastic. Who should I make it for? This is the beginning of my national book tour for the paperback of Queen of America, which is the sequel to The Hummingbird's Daughter. Uh-oh, I'm going to knock the queen down. And it's the, the story of my great aunt, who was uh, known as the Mexican, oy, the Mexican Joan of Arc, uh, the Saint of Cabora, La Santa de Cabora, Teresita Urrea. There were all these women who lived in the house, power women. People always talk about how I write books about women. I, I have a lot of women characters, and it's probably because of these powerful females that raised me. We had this fantastic aunt, Tia Leti, Aunt Leticia, La Flaca, the skinny aunt. And she was a remarkable character. She, she'd gone blind when I, she was always squinting and smoking. And she loved scaring us, and she'd tell us these ghost stories. And we would gather in this house in Tijuana. No heat, cold, dark. And they used to have, I don't know if you remember these kerosene tower heater. It had green glass, orange flames, so it made this really ghastly light, ghastly shadows, and it made a continual roar in the background. We were all gathered one year, and she came, and you've got to imagine this pitch black room with this roar, and suddenly her face appears above the heater, lit from below, with a squinty eye. But in the midst of all that storytelling, she starts telling me about this aunt, you know. You have a Yaki Indian aunt. I said, dude, yes. And she heals the sick, you know. And she can raise the dead out of the grave and bring them back to life. And she can fly, cabron. So I grew up with those stories. And then I went to work uh, as a, a bilingual TA at a community college in San Diego. And the professor I was working for, said, you're, a, you're the son of the saint, aren't you? And I said, son of the saint? What saint? Yeah, the saint, the Urrea saint. I said, oh, the flying yaki saint. No, no. I said, that's not true. That's just a folktale. And he said, oh, it's true. And he had a textbook with a chapter about her. And uh, I Xeroxed it. And I didn't know that was going to begin a lifelong research project. In uh, 1995, I moved to Tucson because I thought if I'm going to write about Yaqui people, I should be near the Yaqui people. They changed my life and they made me experience things and see things I still have no explanation for. I quit a million times and it was a very difficult process. It was really hard, hard living. So all told, the two books took me 26 years to write. And I'll tell you what, if, if you had told me at the beginning, I would have not done it. It's a lot too much work, you know? So the books meant 
much more to me than just books, you know. They weren't really uh, career moves so much as the ultimate, I felt, testament of not only my family's soul, but this woman's soul and maybe, you know, us as people. There are a lot of young folks that are really deeply hurt, really deeply uh, painted by the endless anti-immigrant vibe you see in the country, which often turns into a kind of anti-Latino rant that never lets up, anti-Mexican rant. And that hurts kids, and I just want to tell them, you know, you are beautiful. Your story is beautiful. You're sacred. Your story is sacred. 